NWP Radio. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. Hello and welcome everyone to our Beyond Storytime uh, NWP collab. This is um, a really special opportunity I um, am excited to be a part of and we have been doing a series about how do we um, think beyond storytime with a group with educators, authors, and illustrators. And we've been designing these collabs as opportunities to come together and thought and talk about different aspects of the work that that authors, illustrators, and educators can and uh, do together, and to think about what the possibilities are today. I want to really um, welcome all our guests here to this conversation, and thank you for uh, making the time for it. Um, this conversation started um, with the sort of um, prompting and inspiration of a couple members of our Writers' Council, K5 Steele and uh, Claudia Logan, uh, really asked about how they could uh, support um, and think with educators at the moment of sort of physical and social distancing started happening around COVID. In the, in the spring. And then we brought together a group of um, illustrators and authors and uh, teachers to talk about um, uh, what could be possible. And um, uh, Sandra Ho here was part of that discussion. And, um, and uh, we started thinking about things that we might wanna build out uh, together. Um, as educators, authors, and illustrators. And so we developed this idea of what if we created this awesome author visit, you know, when everybody's on Zoom or um, however school looks in the future, how, how can we design for auth awesome author visits uh, uh, into the future? So uh, Sandra, I want to invite you to kick us off here and sort of share um, some of your thinking and what makes you excited about this conversation. Sure, thank you, Christina, and thank you for having me. Um, I'm Sandra Hogue, and I'm a 26-year urban educator uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, and am connected um, with the National Writing Project, with the latest project being one with kid writing um, that also involved KFI, who is on uh, this call as well. I am excited about the potential for authors visits to blossom into something beyond um, the scope of, of their positioning in schools of the past. Um, traditionally, it's in, it had the feel of kind of a drive-by uh, come in and they get students excited about books, which is a, a definite uh, benefit. And, um, excited about reading and illustrations and literacy in general, uh, but I'm excited about what is possible with this virtual learning platform that will allow us to have connections with authors that are far richer than just, uh, and not just, I hate uh, to make it sound like I'm diminishing that value, but to enrich those experiences so that they can be even more than what they've been in the past. And so thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. 
Great, thank you. And KFI, you were part of that original conversation too. Do you want to give a little context for what makes you excited about this notion? Yeah, I mean, what was it in like, man, that was in like February or something like that or March? March. <laughs> the yeah. world March. felt so different then. Um, I think we were talking about like how um, shelter in place, kids not being in school, and a lot of authors and illustrators that I know being out of work because books got pushed back and author visits got canceled. We were kind of thinking together about like, what is this world of school that's going to look like? Or what is this world of like connecting authors and illustrators to the classroom? How is that going to change? Um, and uh, out of that, I mean, I think that I was really interested in this idea of talking about like, you know, author visits are going to be way more limited now because they're just not going to happen so much, or at least all of the ones, I would say, you know, 80% of the ones that I was supposed to do this spring were straight up canceled. And then I did maybe three or four of them where everyone was on Zoom. And it was a really steep learning curve. <laughs> like, and school visits generally are. And I think I was talking with uh, Sandra and Aram on that first call about, you know, school visits are always kind of a hot mess anyway, and you don't really ever know what you're getting into. And one term I use is like, every time about, I'm about to do a school visit, like the day before, I'm like, why am I so stressed out? And it's like, you never kind of know what you're going to get. And they can be completely different from one school visit to another. So uh, I was hoping to pull together this group of people to talk specifically about like, well, how are school visits going to change? And I mean, they're never gonna be the same, right? There's something really intimate and wonderful about sharing a book and being in the same space as students and drawing with them and talking with them and writing with them. But maybe there's something about having everyone be on Zoom where, um, having everyone be on Zoom where uh, these school visits are more accessible. Um, you know, school doesn't have to pay for me to fly out. They don't have to pay to put me up for a day. Um, you know, ideally they would still pay me, obviously, but um, <laughs> the, the, I think the idea is like, maybe this offers new opportunities. I'm really looking forward to talking to everyone about uh, what these school visits could look like. Oh, also there are a couple of books that I'm, <laughs> I'm promoting through this. Uh, I wrote and illustrated this book called The Normal Pig and Noodle Thind I illustrated, and there's a sequel coming out this fall. Great, thank you. And um, let's see, Gordon, maybe you could um, introduce yourself here and tell us a bit about what brings you to this conversation, what you're thinking about in terms of awesome author visits. So my name is Gordon C. James and I'm the award-winning illustrator of Crown and Oaths of the Fresh Cut, um, Letter Buck and the book that's coming out in September, September 1st, I'm Every Good Thing. And I, I'm really, um, I'm not the techiest of illustrators. If you can look, I have like a really traditional style. So I really enjoy being in front of people and um, being there face to face. So I'm interested to have this conversation because, you know, I feel like it takes me a little bit out of my comfort zone. The fact that, um, that we're gonna be on Zoom. And I wanna, I, I feel like if I'm in, if I'm, if I'm in the space, you know, I can give you extra value. You know, I pull kids up on stage, I draw them and I leave the drawings with the kids and I leave them with the school 
And so now I just want to see, you know, kind of where we're going to go, where we're going to go in the future. I think the upside is that, you know, hopefully more people will have access. But, um, you know, it does make me sad that I'm not going to get a chance to, you know, get excited and hop on that plane and, you know, go to these different places. Thank you, Gordon. I think that might be a very uh, similar feeling a lot of teachers have right now, those complex emotions about not being there with the kids. So thank you. Aram, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us what brings you yeah. to this conversation? Sure. My name is Aram Kim. I'm an author and illustrator of picture books. My most recent one is Let's Go to Taekwondo that came out in April. I was very looking forward to going into schools and libraries and bookstores. And of course, as everyone else who got the books out this pandemic time, there were no events in person which was very disappointing um and but then you know like things are moving very quickly and everyone is finding ways out to connect even like you know online like we are doing right now so even though it was disappointing at the beginning i actually do find it more and more positive which i'm sure like which actually we i want to discuss in this space how we can make it really like maximum effect for everyone because i do feel like it is much more accessible to a lot of people now to meet authors and illustrators because we're all online and that is really interesting experience for me too because I feel really exhausted after online events. <laughs> and I think it's because I don't get the energy back from children, right? You don't have those expressions and their shouts and their answers and they're like so like missing. So I just get so exhausted after online event, even though I'm staying at home and then just talking into the computer. But at the same time, there are times that I get really excited when there are moments, there are interactions over online. It's a little hard and this is what I actually really want to find out how we can make it work because children, they don't really function on the computer or the phone, right? So parents or teachers, educators, or like mostly caregivers these days, they have to be there to operate like the chats, like questions, unmute themselves. So that has been the most challenging part because I cannot really have that instantaneous interaction with the children. And when the caregivers are not there, it could go <laughs> very extreme direction. Um, but so, yeah, but I still feel like there is so much potential we can explore with this Zoom, like online connection. Because I have been actually attending a lot of other author events too that were happening all over the nation, which really um, amazed me. So I think this will really open up more opportunities and I would love to find out a better way to maximize this opportunity. Great, thank you. I know how hard it is for me to unmute when I need to, so <laughs> you can just imagine the learning curve we all have here. 
Uh, Kyle, what brings you here? Um, my name is Kyle Lukoff. The cat that I'm holding in that picture does not belong to me. I was just borrowing her for that picture. Um, I am the author of When Aiden Became a Brother, which won the Stonewall Award this year, and also Explosion at the Foam Factory, which did not win the Stonewall, but that's okay. Um, it's not relevant. And a lot of other picture books, and then I have my first middle grade novel coming out in April of next year. Um, I took the fall off from my school library job actually to travel all over the country and do school visits and learned a lot along the way. Like K-Fi said, it really kind of felt like everyone was its own kind of unique challenge. Um, and then I did, I've only done one virtual visit since all this started and that was in June for a school. And I was surprised that I found it to be not as good as being in person, but I still got a lot of value out of it. And one thing that I really, one thing that really mattered to me on my school visits was being an openly trans author in front of kids. And then especially seeing when trans youth could connect to me and like ask their own questions and just like see me there as, you know, like a grown up version of, of themselves. And that still happened on my first virtual visit. Like I still connected with this one kid who was like going through some stuff. Then they got in touch with me afterwards. Um, so I was really heartened to see that the most important parts of school visits can still happen even virtually. And I think that the main thing that I'm concerned about right now, so I'm not, I quit my school library job, so I'm no longer a full-time educator, but I think Sandra had said earlier that it feels like you're building the plane as you're flying it. And my main concern is reaching out to educators to say, hey, I'm here for a school visit. You don't have to pay me as much because I'll just be in my house. Um, while knowing that they're also juggling like parent communication and lesson planning and technology and all that. Like, I don't want to add something else to these teachers' plates. So for me, that feels like the most challenging part moving forward is just making those connections and making them happen in a way that doesn't seem like it's adding to a teacher's burden. Great. I think that's a, a wonderful place to start. Uh, Sandra, I know you've been thinking about this. Um, thank you all for introducing yourselves first. Um, lovely to see all your work. And Sandra, I know you've been thinking about this a bit. Do you want to pick up on that thread? I had to remind myself to unmute, unmute there. Yes, um, I, I have been thinking about possibilities. Like I said, it's an exciting time when you think about um, this non-traditional learning platform, teaching and learning platform that we um, have been forced into, uh, ready or not. Uh, it forces innovation and it forces you to think differently about things and to let go of some things that you hold on to traditionally as the way things should be done. And so when I think about uh, authors and illustrators and the value that they add to the education experience, I want to hold on to that because I grow readers and writers through great texts like the ones that you guys create. And so um, that's a piece that I want to not only hold on to, but I want to leverage it to make it even better uh, than it's ever been before. So when I, when I think about authors and illustrators visits now uh, in this virtual world, I, I do still consider the traditional author's visit, meaning 
the librarian or some other educator within the school, the PTA funding in some way, they secure a connection with you guys, right? And they uh, in, invite you guys into the space to help inspire kids to love reading, to love books, to learn, to love learning. Uh, I've seen that magic happen, the way their eyes light up when you show your book and you're actually there and you're the person who created it, right? So as Gordon talked about, pulling a kid on stage and sketching that kiddo and then leaving that drawing with them. I mean, oh my goodness, they, the, the, the kids, um, that energy is just something that I cherish, right? And, and unfortunately it isn't as tangible right now, but there's still room for that traditional connection where it's scheduled and here's, you know, maybe Kyle has sent out uh, a, a few copies of his book in advance and they've been signed and the kids know um, either in that moment or coming when we get back to brick and mortar, they're going to have autographed copies from him, you know, that kind of thing. But what that does for kids, once again, is, is, is it inspires and encourages them to learn books and, and reading and learning and, and artistry and drawing. Um, and so I think there's still a place for that, but this is where my brain is being forced to think about how to take it further. What more can we do? And so another, uh, um, even richer layer to that I can imagine is um, a collaboration between um, the educators within the building and the authors and illustrators where the focus is on writing craft. Uh, there's such artistry and it may be, and you guys can maybe answer this for me as published authors and illustrators, there may be these subtle things that you do organically that you haven't really unlayered or unpacked to understand how you craft, but uh, those are exactly the pieces I want kids to learn. Those are the pieces I want teachers leaning into so that they can help kids then uh, develop those skills. And so in a writing craft or a genre specific connection, uh, what I see is a collaboration between the educator and the author illustrator out front. This means no more K-Fi night before wondering what's going to happen, we connect far in advance before that visit and we have a strategic plan about the why behind the what, right? As the educator, I need to know exactly what's going to happen when you're there. And you need to understand why I need the, those pieces and how I need you to deliver those to kids so I can then take that further, right? So that it's not just, um, here's this, let's get excited about books and, and, and about writing and illustrating, but let's use that to make kiddos better, to make them better communicators more savvy in their delivery of their messaging to the world. And so uh, that may look like a series. It may be, uh, you know, um, Aram and I have, have developed this plan collaboratively as the educator and author. She comes in for an initial visit and then we have, uh, maybe she comes back for a later visit where kiddos have actually tried some things and they're going to share in this virtual platform. Maybe I as the teacher have uh, placed each of their submissions in a slide deck and then K-5 has had a chance to look at them in advance, but then she pops in again to give kids feedback on this work. That's even richer than that one-stop, you know, let's encourage the purchase of some books and let's encourage kids to love learning. That takes it deeper because it makes kids better, right? So that's the second one. The third one uh, that I think of is uh, thinking about interdisciplinary units. Uh, that's a big deal. Uh, I know in our district right now is, which is, over 100,000 kiddos. We're, we're um, around, I think, 26th, 25th in the nation as far as size. Uh, and, and so 
our big push now is to not think of, especially in elementary uh, education in silos, meaning here's math time, here's social studies time, here's science time, here's reading time, but instead to think about interdisciplinary units that are based on a compelling question. And one that I placed in the slide deck is one that I played with with educators throughout the year last year, which was how does where I live impact how I live? And so if I'm exploring this compelling question, that allows me as the teacher, first of all, to leverage these standards that I know the kiddos have to learn, but it also taps into the interest and the voice of kiddos in a way that encourages them to lean into stuff that they don't organically care about. They don't care about my standards, but if I, if I have the right compelling question, then they're more likely to lean into that and I can get them to uh, apply those standards in ways that they care about, right? So where do I see an author coming in on that? Well, if we've explored this compelling question, at the end of that exploration in that mini unit, they need to share their work with the world. What does that look like? It involves writing. Uh, writing, whether it's a book, whether it's an infographic, whether it's a PSA, whether it's you know a rap, a song, whatever, and that also involves artistry, right? So if it has any kind of visual with it, there here are the illustrators, right? So Gordon, in his work, in each image, based on that text, something comes into his mind, and there's some thinking that he unpacks that land helps him to land on this is the image that captures what the the essence of these words in a visual way right and that's a way that i can partner with authors and illustrators to have a strategic plan about helping my kiddos voices to be heard and then the final once again is advocacy which which really can be linked to a compelling question but in the slide deck as well uh, we have an, a a writing project educator here who was also uh, the kentucky elementary teacher of the year her name is nyree clayton taylor and she works with students on hip-hop based ed which is in the flavor of chris emden emden's work um, but the kiddos you know in louisville kentucky it's the heart of the brianna taylor case this is exactly where that case is unfolding and so she has worked with a group of students from upper elementary to really high school where they are using hip hop to educate, to learn, to deal with the emotional side of what's happening, to deal with their advocacy and allowing their voices to be heard about where they stand in this position. But all of that, I can see having an author help me to help the kiddos get their voices out there, right? Because as an educator, I know how to finesse the small pieces. I know subject verb agreement, all of that good stuff, right? but the artistry of an author and illustrator is beyond my wheelhouse and I can see beautiful partnerships possible in helping you guys to help the students' voices be elevated to even higher places. So I've said enough, but those, I, I just get excited as you can tell, thinking about and reimagining this idea of an author-illustrator collaboration in, in the educational setting. And so that's where I stand, just some ideas that are rolling in my head. Love it. Thank you, Sandra. Okay, Fai, I know you, you had some thoughts too that you gathered and then we'll just sort of open up. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think mine are like way more nuts and bolts than Sandra's. Um, but I was thinking just like, okay, I, I mean, I, I love that idea and I think it's perfect and all of the, the best school visits I've done have always involved talking to either the school librarian or some of the educators in the space first to be like, hey, I can talk about a lot of things when it comes to my book and I have a spiel that I do, but is there something specific that students are learning right now that you think would be useful for me to touch on like some topics or like what kind of units are you doing now? And it can be as simple as a phone call, you know, just set up an hour long phone calls sometime in the week leading up to a couple of weeks beforehand. 
And then I can tailor my presentation, which tends to usually be, I don't know how you all do it, but I tend to do like 40 minute presentations, depending on the grade. It's about how long they can sit still for. I think like first graders to third graders is generally what I do. Um, but then I can kind of, yeah, change what I talk about. It's kind of, you know, based on whatever the educator is interested in. And sometimes there's like kind of a frustrating thing that happens. And I think, you know, having an author illustrator come in is kind of like for everyone having a celebrity come in, right? Which is like, you know, it's the best when you go in and you're treated like the kids are like screaming your name. It's really intense, but it's also like wonderful. But at the same time, um, you know, you kind of, sometimes even you get treated that way by the teacher and they're like, oh, you know, just come in and do your thing. You're so great. And you're like, I need a little bit of guidance. <laughs> it's like, I need to be able to know what I'm, what you want from me because I can talk about like whatever. So some ideas that I was thinking of specifically with these, everyone is online school visits is like, I've noticed that like when I've been doing these Zoom calls, kids are just dying to socialize with each other. And they're going like kind of wild on the chat. And I'm like, you know, something that Aram mentioned, when I'm doing these readings, these story times, sometimes it's on Zoom, sometimes it's on Google Meet. And if I'm holding up my book and trying to read it, you'll have kids being like, I can't see what you're reading. Or like, and I'm, I'm wondering if maybe these 40 minute school visits could just be opportunities for a conversation to happen with students or for students to bring questions to me. And so usually it's like, you know, 20 minute reading and a demo and then 10 minutes or 15 minutes of discussion. What if the whole thing was a drawing demo and or like some sort of demo plus discussion plus Q&A? So, so I would like do something like pre-record a story time and students could watch that on their own time. But the idea is that they would come prepared with questions to ask or some sort of discussion. So the entire thing is just Q&A or, you know, the whole thing is like, we have more space for um, that opportunity. Uh, there are some other nuts and bolts things that a couple of people have mentioned. I think Aramya mentioned this is like, generally kids don't know, or I've seen a, I mean, a lot of them do, but like how to mute and unmute themselves. So someone needs to act as the tech moderator. And this goes the same for in-person visits too, right? Like I can't be talking and presenting and running the AV and, you know, making sure that the mic is working and, um, you know, like the chat does need some sort of moderation. It's really helpful when someone is like, all right, let's like, like not emoji spam this thing or like I'm gonna I'm gonna like mute everyone right now because kids are just like making noise and um one other thing I'd like to talk about too that a couple of people have mentioned is like how much do you because I, I know a lot of educators will be watching this that they'll probably end up with thinking like I would love to bring in all of these authors to do a school visit how much do I pay them uh and that is like a very mysterious and kind of like um, hidden art of school visits that no one talks about. So I'd love to like, like throw out some numbers maybe. Um, but yeah, I just want, I wanted to open it up to like talking about like, well, what does this actually look like? And maybe based on some of your own experiences, what you think would your dream would look like? I know that um, I like to, like, I like to show up kind of with my lesson plan. Because I taught high school for a couple of years. I'm not saying I'm like a teacher teacher. Like, my mother was an elementary school teacher for her whole career, you know, 20-something years. 
but I like to kind of, I like to show up with my lesson plan. And I think of me showing up to the classroom as that time where that teacher can go take a break, you know what I mean? And go write a lesson plan, catch up great papers. But it, the only time that I really feel like I need the teacher is um, at the very end when I'm drawing, because I answer questions while I'm drawing, but I can't turn around, call on the students, you know, and draw all at the same time. So, but I think in this new world that I'll probably need a little bit more um, involvement with the teacher just to manage the kids on the chat, because I'll have my hands full, you know, reading the book or doing the demo. And a lot of times I'll need that person to be like, well, so-and-so just asked this and so-and-so just asked that because I won't be able to follow the running chat on the, um, but I haven't, I've done, I've done a couple virtual school visits, but this is kind of how um, it's worked with kind of conferences that I've had a chance to do since this. It's like, we, I feel like we need that, we need that moderator to, to help us out. I think my best um, school visit on Zoom also was because there was a good moderator. Like the teacher who was in charge, she just like ran the entire program from the introduction and then announcements to the kids, how to use the chat. And then yeah, she would kick up like good questions and then ask me at the end. And it makes a huge difference because then I can only focus on the presentation without having to like read the chats and having to like tell someone to mute, <laughs> having to tell someone like what to do if they cannot see my screen. So moderator is a really important factor here. Um, so it would be really helpful if teachers or librarians can um, sort that out before the meeting. And I'm really intrigued by K-5's suggestion about having Q&A and discussion session only during the school visit. Because now I think a lot of authors do have that pre-recorded um, story time that we can send to the school in advance. So we don't need to now, I mean, we can if they want to, but we don't need to now spend that time on Zoom where I think kids' um, attention span is actually shorter than in person. So we don't need to spend the time to read it and trying to figure out how to hold a book, they can like see in advance and then come with the discussion questions and then whatever they want to ask. And of course it would be ideal if we can get the questions in advance too, so that we can be prepared. But I really like that idea of having that discussion only session. And another thing I'm a little um, hesitant about it is also about, like Sandra talked a lot about coordinating between educators and authors in advance. And, but then Kyle also mentioned not wanting to put more things to do on educators' plate, right? So I do think that it's the best when we can coordinate in advance, but I am also concerned about especially nowadays, educators have so much on their plate. So I don't feel very comfortable, like, you know, like keeping nudging, even though I know 
many of them are so willing. It's just that emotional burden. I feel like I'm putting on to them. So I'd love to hear, yeah, about your thoughts on educators' side. Sure, sure. I I, I don't see it as a burden. I see it as um, a partnership. Something once again that helps me to fill in a space that I'm not fully comfortable with uh, instructionally, right? So I see that partnership not as um, something extra to do, but I think if we're really strategic about how we connect, I see it as a, such an asset that any time that would be required for me to connect with you beforehand would be well worth it. It's what we do, teachers have to plan. And so that's what it looks like to plan to collaborate with an author. You know, as I was thinking, this goes back to a, a, one of the planning conversations with Kefi and, and Christina. I, I think also for the for you guys, this is just a suggestion that that I have to help avoid some of the randomness of the visits. Um, might be for you guys to put together kind of a one pager of of what the relationships might be like, right? So. What do you offer? Are you willing to collaborate with the teacher in advance or the librarian in advance to plan something so that it's well-placed? You know, maybe a menu of, of, of sorts. I don't know if that's the right terminology. Um, I love that someone mentioned, you know, sending a pre-recorded uh, version of you reading the book with a slide deck that goes through the illustrations. However, if you would reserve a smidgen of that 40 minutes for you to just open, crack open your book and for me to hear the words that you have crafted come from your lips, golden. Even if it's not the entire text, that is golden. And, and so to remove that completely makes my heart a little bit sad, even if I have a chance to watch it in advance. Like I'm secretly hoping to hear each of you read an excerpt from a piece. Thank you. I wanna make sure Kyle can get in here you left us for a moment and was able to come back. So I'm really happy. I'm and I was thinking about that relationship you mentioned that you were able to connect with a student, even from a distance. That feels like an important thing. And So um, can I share something that's like not quite related to that, but is still on theme? Or on sure, topic? please. Um, so something that, so I started doing purely virtual story times in, in, at the end of March because I was still a school librarian and I wanted to connect with my students. So I was the first teacher at my job to start offering daily live offerings for my kids. And it was a very sharp learning curve. I learned that reading a picture book on a screen is actually physically painful because I have to like contort my body correctly so that I can get the pictures on and then you can see my face and then it's the picture again. Um, and after like a month or so, I mostly figured it out. And then I used a different platform where the images were reversed and that just messed up my whole my whole deal. Um, but I found that a good way to sort of manage awkwardness in person school visits also translates well to virtual visits. So like if I was at a school visit and something went wrong, I would say like, oh, I'm noticing that my microphone suddenly stopped working or, oh, I'm hearing that there's an announcement. So I'm going to stop talking for a minute to like narrate what's happening. So the kids just aren't like sort of at, aren't like left wondering like what's going on. And I realized that that exact same technique works really well during virtual visits. So I might be like, oh, I can't quite see everyone's face all at the same time. I'm wondering if, my, if the teacher can help call on friends if they have questions or I'll say like, oh, I'm noticing that I can't read your name or I don't know whose face is there. Um, and just like, instead of pretending like nothing's going wrong, 
saying clearly what isn't quite working and just kind of going, going past it. Um, and that it can be like kind of scary to acknowledge that something isn't working, but, or like, I think one time my internet like winked out in the middle of something, then I came back a few minutes later and I said, oh, my internet stopped working. I'm so glad that you're all still here with me instead of like getting like flustered and apologizing and just naming what happened and moving past it. Um, and I found that like the skills that you need for a successful school visit can still translate really well virtually, even if it's a little bit sad. <laughs> like, oh, I'm noticing I can't see that friend's face because it's just a blank screen or something which would never happen in person because I can always see your face. It's kind of a random thought. Um, actually, the thing I love about the uh, virtual school visit is that I can share things that I usually don't share in person visit. Like I can like show like the pages of my sketchbook that usually is too small to show on the stage to children. But I can show the sketchbook, I can show like a little dummy book that I made usually that I don't bring to school visits because they, the kids cannot really see it far from. So that kind of like little things actually I really love about that I can share anything. I don't need to log like something big to the school, like it's just right here. So I think that is another good thing about um, virtual school visit that I found, yeah. One other thing that I think could be interesting, but I'm not really sure what the capability of Zoom is or I haven't really cracked this yet, is using things, features that Zoom has like breakout rooms, though that might be a little wild or the chat feature, or I think I once saw like a whiteboard feature where everyone could draw together on the same screen or a poll feature is another thing I've seen. Just as with, or like adding emojis or something like that when students like something, but as a way to sort of keep them engaged, they're not just doing, I guess what we're all kind of doing, which is like sitting and being like very obedient and like just taking things in. Um, and another thing I heard, this was, um, uh, uh, Tracy Sorrell mentioned, Tracy Sorrell, Tracy Sorrell um, mentioned this in a webinar with Leon Lowe, uh, having a student introduce you, which I love that idea, like someone just prepped to be able to say like, uh, I, I've been given the responsibility or whatever of introducing this author, I'm going to read their bio, but um, I'm just thinking of ways that students can like have to do a little bit of prep work because you know school visits are I, I've done some school visits where the students have no idea who you are or have no idea like why are they they just know someone special is there which is nice but having them be more acquainted with you and your work I think it's like it it's just brings them closer to where we want to be right in the conversations we want to have with students There was a lot of love for that idea. So I just wanted to, this is this piece about centering students' experiences. I think it's really powerful. Gordon, did you want to add something? Uh, oh, look at that, I'm unmuted, go figure. Um, <laughs> uh, I was gonna say that, um, that, uh, that um, when uh, I, I believe it's K-5 was talking about um, you know, the whiteboard feature and that kind of thing, because that is something that I do when I go to school visits. It's a, we talk about, okay, well, we're going to do a book cover. So I need someone to be our main character. All right, she's going, this person's going to be a superhero. So, you know, um, you know, what powers are they going to have? All right, let's design the costume. We sit there and we draw, we make the, 
we make it out the kids, you know, put in the type and everything and that person poses and I draw them. And I didn't know that there was a whiteboard feature on that. And so that means that that is something that I can still do, you know? Um, so I really appreciate that, that information because I like to draw interactively with the kids. Also, um, I, I, although I'm sad not to, not to be there in person, I think that one advantage is um, there is flexibility because, um, you know, we were talking about sharing our sketchbook pages. I work in an art center and um, I did, a, uh, I did a, uh, a virtual school visit for a friend of mine who was from for a high school friend of mine who's a teacher. And the kids were like, where do you work? Is there a gallery there? And I was like, all right, yeah, let me grab the laptop. Come on, let's go. We're like walking through the building. It's like all stuff that we can do you know, because there's no, um, and they're getting to say hi to the other artists, you know? And so that stuff that's possible, if there is no, um, if there is, that stuff that's not possible if I'm there with them is what I'm trying to say. And, and so that is, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's kind of a big upside that they can see where it is I work. Oh yeah, kids, I found that, I, I'm really surprised that students and teachers really love seeing your workspace. And sometimes I'll be like, oh, my cat jumped up in front, like my cat walked in front of my screen and then all the kids go crazy because they just I want to see a cat. Literally, right. <laughs> I just amused myself to mention that the few times my cat has shown up during story time, it's like the best story times. Yeah. And I would have kids who would like say goodbye to her as they say goodbye to me at the same time. That's not important though, it's just a cat. I have had school presentations totally get derailed because I have one slide that's got the whole family in it and my dog's in it. They're like, tell us about your dog, right? <laughs> I'm like, my dog can't draw. <laughs> yeah, I think there is something very powerful about these connections between home and school and, you know, um, our animals, our friends, our community. Sandra, you, you, mentioned something in the chat. Do you want to say that out loud? Uh, sure. The the, uh, someone was mentioning the interactive uh, nature and how you feel like, you know, some of that is lost, which it is incredibly impersonal to do things virtually, but it is the best way right now. And, and I think maybe part of our lives for the foreseeable future. Uh, one of the platforms that we've used here in our, our district a great deal in the spring was called it's called Jamboards, and it's part of the Google Classroom platform. And with Jamboards, you can, as uh, the the facilitator or between the author illustrator and the teacher, can find strategic places throughout your presentation to pose a question of the group or to present an idea or to invite them to think about something. And then each of the the students. Uh, has then a, a sticky note size um, text box in which to comment on that question. And so everyone's response appears on this virtual whiteboard and they can not only see what others are thinking, they can respond to the thinking of uh, their classmates. And then uh, as teacher facilitator and as author illustrator presenter, you too could add to or can could just quickly skim that and hear Get, take the temperature of the room, if you will, at, at, at a glance, and then can respond to um, their thinking right in that moment. And so, um, and that's what I mean by uh, the importance of planning out front 
you know, the, the randomness, like that discomfort that I keep going back to K5, that discomfort of not knowing what's going to happen, really, we're in a position where we should control more of that. And so I, I think that responsibility lies um, primarily with the educators who have to find, have to ensure um, that your expertise lands where it should. For the kiddos right i have to have success criteria in my brain like i have to understand five o'clock you know oh, there's five o'clock it's five o'clock yeah thank you gordon and i know that um kyle has to leave so thank you so much for being here and that's what i get for not it's nice to meet Sorry, it was nice to meet the five of you on the internet thank you so much for having me thank you Bye, everyone um Maybe we should share the, um, we have some information about how uh, teachers can um, uh, reach the authors here. So let me share my slide again. And um, Kfi, you had raised the question about sort of, we don't really have a lot of time to talk about it, but just sort of thinking about, um, how do people hire and where do you start? What about pay? All of that. Um, maybe we could talk I about- I don't know how it's worked for all of you before, but generally it'll be like some wonderful email I get from an educator that someone wants to invite me to do a school visit or wants to invite me to do a, a, a conference or something like that. And usually like a school visit will be folded into that conference. But um, what I did get a lot this spring was like, can you come do the school visit? It's like, we can't pay you anything. And we're hoping for like an hour long session or something like that. And I think one thing I wanted to bring up, and I kind of talked about this before, is that like, actually for author and illustrators, and I think a lot of people don't know this, is doing school visits is actually like, oh, it's a significant way that um, we earn money, right? And I think especially if you're anticipating that an author will, I mean, I love the idea. I want to live in the world where I can volunteer my time um, to come into your classroom and to work with students. But like, you know, I got to pay my cell phone and I got to like keep my lights on and I need to uh, buy myself food and things like that and art supplies. So I think like figuring out some sort of way to just like prioritize and compensating these artists, especially if we want to like, pre-plan pre and put hours of work into like, well, how can I make this a really special experience and a special learning experience for your students? Um, does anyone else want to add anything to this? Um, I, I agree. I have all my, like Kfi talked about like fee and money. I always have all my fees listed on my website. Um, it is already, I mean, it's not, like a set in stone, right? So I'm always open to negotiation, but I do always have my fee like clearly on my website so that people can see it when they want to reach out. And now I added the fee for the virtual visits now, <laughs> which is about the half the price of my normal in-person fee. And another good thing about this virtual thing is that I'm now more open to do like short free visits, like 15 minutes Skype visit for Q&A with the children. Before that, before all this pandemic happened, I would have only done like a few of them because I have my day job, I'm in the office, I cannot really do those. But then now I'm working from home, like 15 minute free visit, I will do it. But then 
if it's like a significant like an extra visit i still want to get paid as well because <laughs> it's a lot of work that we are putting in and yeah like as sandra and k5 said like planning in advance actually that does give a lot like all of us more value and then that's a very like significant educational value that i think we should be paid for <laughs> as well so and just another thing that i always wanted to ask is about the feedback that i can get from educators because after the school visit I always ask the educators if they can give me any feedback about what can be improved and anything. A lot of times they are just too nice to say anything. <laughs> so they would just say it was wonderful, but I know there is a room to improve and I would love to hear what can be done to make this group visit better for children and for everyone. So I'm always wondering what the best way is to get a constructive like a feedback from educators who attended the visit. So I don't know if Sandra can help us with it. any ideas. Maybe we can send out a form for them to fill out. I don't know. That's that's a great question, and I think you're right. The feedback is, is critical. Um, I don't know. Let me think about that. I'm happy to think with you. I don't have a solution that pops into my head automatically. And and I have a quick question of the group. Would it be too far fetched to keep your rates comparable to the rates you would charge for traveling, for accommodations, for you know? any expenses that are required to get you physically into a building if that that fee was shifted to the front-loaded planning right so that may be a way to keep your fees i'm just planting a seed it may be a way to keep your fees comparable to um, the monies you're used to earning but it on the other hand would require more of that planning piece that collaboration piece um, perhaps out front and then maybe a subsequent follow-up uh, to give students feedback. Just a thought. Well, I can tell you guys, I think I'm unmuted. Yep. I can tell you guys that my fees are the same, right? And where the, uh, where the additional value is, is that you don't have to worry about the airfare, and you don't have to worry about a per diem, and you don't have to worry about hotel. So at that point, you're saving an awful lot just, um, just having me do the visit. As far as feedback, I work with Carmen Oliver at the Booking Biz, and so she handles all that. And what I find is that um, people are way more willing to give you feedback if they feel that they aren't talking directly to you. <laughs> so, um, you know, having that having that person there, you know, I'm more I'm more apt to get an honest feedback from people that. Um, you know, may may not have felt comfortable, you know, saying things that I, I generally get very good feedback. I want to be very clear. I want to be clear. But I think that people feel like they can um, be be honest when they're not speaking directly to you because most people are nice, you know. I was wondering if anybody has ever done feedback with the kids too. That's something to also consider. 
how how would we do that? I'm just curious. I've seen kids feedback on other authors, and I really love seeing them. But then, how do we get the feedback from children? Well, one of the things I was I was just thinking about. So, Sandra, again, like Sandra said, like thinking with you would be an interesting, you know, about this. Um, but I was in these conversations recently about sort of how do we create like mindful spaces online where we're really sort of able to stay in touch with what the the kids need and what they're feeling and and um, you know in a way that it's hard to, it it feels harder to do that so there was sort of this idea of having sort of exit slips at the end of events that that children can respond to real quickly um, and I, you know it might be that there's multimodal ways to respond to but maybe some questions coming out of it that that support um, both the teachers in getting sort of a sense of um, how the kids are and what they're interested in and how they're feeling and um, and maybe the author too getting a reflection back around what the experience was like for the kids so it was just one idea that came to mind because I was in that conversation recently. Yeah, I know that um, Shanda McCloskey, I believe it's Shanda, does uh, a post-visit follow-up worksheet where there's some sort of activity and like a question that uh, students get asked at the end. So it's not as much, I'm, I live in fear of my career being turned into like a Goodreads slash Yelp review where I'm given like, oh, four stars because, you know, her shirt wasn't tucked in or something like that, you know? but it's like a little more substantial than that. Like I learned this or um, I made this drawing and it's of my family and it's based on this thing that Kate I talked about or whatever. Um, I think having just something that also shows like, well, this is what I took away from the school visit um, is helpful to see. And it's also so much fun to see the things that kids make too and receiving there's occasionally I'll get kid drawings back or even like a thank you letter or something like that. And I, I love seeing that stuff. It's um, it's like, I always said that when you see the character that you draw drawn through a kid's hand, it's like your character put through a distortion pedal. It just is like really cool to see how that happens. And I, I don't know, Sandra, the, the, I, I was thinking from a writing lens, right? Like that's an opportunity to have kids write and create and to, you know, express their their own feelings in there so you know it's it's valuable in the classroom to do that kind of process too it strikes me yes and you know in in this virtual world i mean we're reimagining what it's like to assess students skills and and their learning right and so uh providing feedback based on an author's visit whether it's a, a note to um, the author illustrator or their efforts at capturing the character. Um, those are all evidence. Those, all of those things serve as evidence of engagement and student learning. And so that would also serve the teacher's needs as well as give you guys some feedback that, I don't know, you may use on your website or, you know, that kind of thing to promote your work. Great. Well, I think we are pretty close to time here. So um, any last thoughts and then we'll sign off. Um, I feel like we've got some amazing stuff for awesome author visits moving forward. Some great ideas shared. Other final thoughts and 
I look forward to helping you guys to connect with um, some of our schools here in town um, to maybe try some things out. We can consider this action research, right? So looking at um, reimagining reimagining authors visits. So um, lots of room for us to learn and grow together. So thank you for your ideas, your time and your energy. And that's what I want to do too. I want to just thank everybody for um, for participating. Thank you, K5, for, in, for um, inviting me because I feel like I learned a lot and um, I'm really uh, hopeful moving forward, you know, coming out of this interaction. So I really appreciate you guys. Yeah, I, I think that like, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead, Kifa. I was just saying that <laughs> I feel the same. It's been so helpful to brainstorm together and see what other people have in their mind and then how we can improve it. It's been really helpful. Yeah, I think that being in like the business of making children's books can be, can sometimes feel um, like really lonely, I guess, and really competitive because even when you're at like a book festival, you know, you're trying to sell, you're like kind of an entrepreneur and you're kind of trying to do your own, you're trying to sell your books and like get in front of people and promote your books. And I find that culture to be like kind of toxic, especially like when you go into a classroom and you're like, I just want to like share my book. <laughs> like, and it just feels very, like kind of at the opposite end of why we make books. We don't make books to compete with each other. You know, we make books because we love making books. And we that's our way of like connecting with the world and uh, connecting with students in the classroom is kind of like the best. And so I think it's very rare that you get a bunch of book creators together to be like, well, how can we share ideas and <laughs> get ideas from each other so that we can all, um, I don't know, have more satisfying things like school visits and things like that. So uh, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time and being willing to um, take part in this, yeah. Great, thank you. Thank you for being part of this collab and really reimagining all of this together and um, have a great evening and looking forward to the work ahead. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. WWE Radio.